And so this morning, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 2? Matthew chapter 2. I want to continue our series of messages, um, which will continue today and even into next week. Um, But our series of messages entitled, The Trouble with Christmas. The Trouble with Christmas. And last week we ended at the beginning of Matthew chapter 2 with the Magi um, going to Herod's palace and Herod's reaction where we're told that he was disturbed, he was agitated, he was troubled. And if you know the story, he deceptively says to the Magi, listen, you go find this this newborn king, you go find this baby um, that you're speaking of. And then come back and tell me where he is so that I can go worship him. Um, Of course, he was not being honest with with his purposes and wanting to know where the newborn king, where baby Jesus was. And, And then we read of how God tells the Magi not to go back to Herod, but to just go back by another route to their homeland. And we come this morning to Matthew chapter 2. Beginning at verse 13, I'm going to read down to verse 23, and we read these words that when they had gone, that is the Magi, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. And this morning I want to speak to us about An unexpected Christmas, an unexpected Christmas. Will you just bow your heads with me as we pray? And so, Father, we do pray that you would you would speak to us through your word. God, that you would stir in our hearts, maybe even a a renewed faith and trust in you today. And God, that you would um, just have your way here among us as we look into your word today. Bless it to us this morning. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so thus far, we've talked about how it is that we all seem to be seeking after the perfect Christmas. And yet the reality of our Christmases can be very different from the kind of Christmas we have in our mind's eye. For rather than glowing fireplaces and and soft music and rooms filled with smiling children, our Christmases may be filled with loneliness, disappointment, sickness, or conflict. 
Our Christmases may be held in the midst of pandemics, disasters, even wars. Our Christmases may be filled with and surrounded by all kinds of trouble. And such was the case with that first Christmas. For we've seen thus far how Jesus was born into a world that was filled with all kinds of trouble, even to the point that, that his birth had to take place in a stable. That first Christmas was no picture postcard Christmas. And yet in and even through the troubles of the day, God ensured that his plan of redemption move forward. And thus, in the midst of trouble, Christmas came. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Christmas came. Jesus was born. The Messiah and Savior of mankind entered our world. The incarnation took place. And last week, we talked about an inconvenient Christmas as we saw how Jesus' birth created all kinds of challenges, complications, and inconveniences, first for Joseph and Mary, and eventually for all with whom he would come into contact. For again, think of the effect Jesus' birth had on on the lives of Joseph and Mary, turning their lives upside down. Oh, the way Jesus came into their lives was truly inconvenient for them. And yet, no matter how inconvenient the birth of Jesus may have been to Joseph and Mary or his coming to so many others, ultimately we know his coming brought about benefits and blessings that far outweighed any challenges, complications, and inconveniences. I do not believe that Joseph and Mary ever regretted allowing Jesus into their lives. And as we ended last week, we noted that it is well worth having and knowing Jesus. Can you say amen to that? We are thankful even today for the coming of Jesus, no matter how complicated he might make our lives sometimes. But we are thankful for Jesus today. And so Jesus was finally born. The Savior came. The angels, the angels have made their announcements. The star appeared. Shepherds found him in the manger. The magi showed up sometime later, laden with, with gifts for the newborn king. The promised plan of God was set into, a, into motion. The virgin had given birth. Emmanuel was born. And in spite of all the troubles and difficulties and challenges and complications and inconveniences, the promised one, the Messiah, was born. And the way Luke and Matthew tell the story, we would think, story over. What more is there to say? Let's move on to the next part of Jesus' life and ministry. Let's just get to John the Baptist and then the baptism of Jesus and Jesus preaching and teaching and so forth. But before we do, we find the unexpected took place. For You see, before they had time to understand what was happening, Joseph and Mary found themselves on the run with their newborn son. The trouble was not yet over. Their story, their story had taken an unexpected turn and one for the worse. Well, you see, the Christmas story that we so often associate with silent snowy nights and singing angels and a glorious glow turns into a story of jealousy and anger, danger and deception, and a bloodbath filled with the blood of innocent infant baby boys. The Christmas story, think of it, the Christmas story turns into a bloody story 
that lands Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus in Egypt, living as refugees at least for a number of months, if not years. The Christmas story becomes what we might call an unexpected Christmas. After all, who could have predicted that the coming of the Magi to Jerusalem in search of the newborn king would end up firing up the jealousy of King Herod in such a way that he would order the killing of all boys in in, in Bethlehem under the age of two? The Magi had no way of knowing that as Herod grew older, that he had also grown more paranoid that he was always on the lookout for someone who might try to dethrone him. They, they didn't know that he had executed his closest advisors. He had killed two of his own sons. He had even had his wife killed. They had no way of knowing that Herod didn't know of the birth of this newborn king or that he would want this baby killed as well. And Joseph and Mary had no way of knowing that they and the baby Jesus had gotten onto Herod's radar screen. They had no forethought, no foreknowledge, no forewarning that they would have to get the baby Jesus out of Bethlehem and even out of Judah as quickly as possible. And it was definitely not in their plans to go to Egypt of all places. For sure, this had become a very unexpected Christmas as the events of that first Christmas began to take all sorts of unexpected twists and turns. Yet at the same time, we read of how God stepped into the unexpected situations at hand to rescue the baby Jesus, to provide for this young family, and to ensure that his plan for their lives and for our world would not be derailed. I want you to notice with me, take note with me a few lessons that we learn from this unexpected Christmas. I think it's important for us today. The first thing is this. I'm reminded that life is filled with the unexpected. Isn't that true? Life is filled with the unexpected. Again, what took place in Matthew 2 was totally unexpected for Joseph and Mary. There's no way in the world they could have predicted what took place. After all, they didn't even know that the Magi were coming, no less first going to Jerusalem and to Herod's court. And think of all those families in Bethlehem with baby boys under the age of two. One day they're celebrating the birth of their son. They're, 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 they're maybe taking him for his bris on the eighth day. Or they're looking forward to life with their, with their new son. And suddenly soldiers are riding through the town, knocking down doors, grabbing baby boys from their mother's arms and, and, and killing them on the spot. No one could have ever anticipated what took place that day. But isn't that exactly the way life is? It's filled with the unexpected. We might say life doesn't always turn out the way we've expected it to. After all, who expects to have the doctor walk in the room and tell you you have cancer? Who expects to have their child killed in an auto accident? Who expects to have the house catch on fire and burn to the ground? Who stands at an altar making marriage vows expecting to end up in divorce court? Who expects that the company they've worked for for 20 years goes, would go bankrupt and now they're without a job? Who expects for, for, for a wildfire, a flood, a hurricane to destroy their whole town? Who among us expected that we'd be facing a pandemic that seems to have stolen almost a year from our lives? Who expected that we'd be celebrating Christmas in the midst of COVID? Who of us ever expected that we'd be celebrating Christmas without that loved one? who each year would be with us at our Christmas table. Listen, I know the questions that I'm asking can sound depressing, really depressing when asked that way, huh? 
But I think the point is well taken. The time and again, all kinds of unexpected things enter our lives. For life doesn't always turn out the way we expected it to. And I, I want to tell you that, that no matter what you've heard, maybe what you think, being a Christian and doing the will of God does not insulate you from the unexpected things that happen in our world and come into our lives. After all, think about Joseph and Mary. They ended up fleeing for their lives and living as refugees because they had submitted themselves to God's will. They were facing the jealousy and wrath of Herod because they had done exactly what God had called them to do. And so I'm reminded today that life has a way of throwing at us the unexpected. We could say we ought to expect the unexpected. I mean, that's kind of like weird to say, right? After all, we yet live in a fallen world that is filled with all kinds of sickness and pain and loss and injustice and so forth. And so we ought not be surprised when we face the unexpected. Again, maybe we ought to expect the unexpected. But here's the second thing I, I learned from this story here. And that is this, that God is faithful to his people in the midst of the unexpected. God is faithful in the midst of the unexpected. Notice, if you will, how God did not abandon Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. He didn't leave them to face the unexpected by themselves. Rather, God sent an angel via a dream to get them out of Bethlehem in just the nick of time. And some say that the gifts the Magi brought, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, became God's provision for Joseph and Mary and, and, and Jesus during that time that they had to spend in Egypt. That is, God provided for them before they even knew that they needed provision. That's the kind of God he is. That God was with them through the unexpected, in, in the midst of the unexpected events that took place, God proved himself to be their deliverer, their provider, their guide. But listen, some might ask, well, what about the others who got left behind in Bethlehem and whose baby boys were killed by Herod's henchmen? I think it's a fair question, don't you? Did God abandon them? Did God just leave them and say, well, I'm only interested in Joseph and Mary? And so I, I would say not. What I would say is this, for one, God intervened as he did in Joseph's, Mary's, and Jesus' lives, specifically for the sake of his plan of redemption. This plan that he had set into motion through the birth of Jesus. Not because he loved them any more than he loved anyone else. And I can't believe that everyone else who's that, that everyone else whose babies were killed, well, they were all just really sinful people, and Mary and Joseph were the only godly people. I, I can't believe that. Jesus even talks about that. But you see, God would not and could not allow his plan of redemption to be derailed by an evil king. But secondly, I'm reminded of this, that the promise of God is not always for an escape from the unexpected difficulties of life. For yes, we believe that God still heals today, but we know that not everyone is miraculously healed. We know that God can provide a means of escape, and yet we also know that many of God's people have had to walk through some very deep waters through the years, filled with pain and sorrow and even death. For throughout the centuries, many of God's people have died at Herod's or Caesar's sword. Many of them have had their lives taken by an illness from which they've not been healed. Or when the hurricane or earthquake or pandemic strikes, not all of God's people have escaped. 
And yet that does not mean, listen to me, church, that does not mean that God has abandoned us. But rather, he is true to his word to always be with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's he's promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. He proves himself faithful as he stands with us in the floods and the fires that life brings our way. And he brings a comfort to our souls beyond the comfort of a kind spoken word. He speaks into our lives a peace that passes all understanding. And in the midst of it all, he fills our souls with a joy that is unspeakable. That's that's why James wrote, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Or Peter wrote, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so, so that the proven genuineness of your faith. Though you have not seen him, he goes on to say, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving. Listen, you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Oh, listen, as the people of God, we know that no matter what life may throw our way, this world is not our home. We are just passing through. And God is faithful. He will always be faithful to his word, for he has provided for us a great salvation. He promises to us a life beyond this life where there is no more sorrow or pain. He's promised us the hope of living forever in his presence. Aren't you glad for that this morning, church? And so no matter how many or what kinds of unexpected things happen within our lives, we know that God is faithful to his people. And thus, in the midst of the unexpected, we make that great statement of faith with the psalmist. The Lord is good and his love endures forever and ever. Like the three Hebrew children about to be thrown into the fire, we, we, we declare, we know that our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow to the gods of this world world, but we will serve the one true God. And with the Apostle Paul, we declare who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Hallelujah. And so we know this morning, listen, church, we know that God is always faithful to his people. Even in the midst of the unexpected things that happen in life, God will be faithful to you. He will be there. He will take you through. He will meet your every need. The third thing I'm reminded of this morning is this, that nothing is unexpected to God. Nothing is unexpected to God. I mean, does anyone think that God was surprised by what took place with Herod? Can anyone think that God was caught by surprise by this pandemic? Is there anything that can happen in life or in our world that is unexpected to God? Rather, as an all-knowing God who is beyond all time, he sees all, he knows all. There There is nothing that is a surprise to God. Nothing for him is unexpected. And I know from our perspective that that might raise a lot of questions in our minds. Well, if God knew, then why didn't he or why doesn't he or how could he and so forth? But, you know, there are some questions we'll not be able to answer and maybe which are better left unanswered, at least for now. But what we do know is this, that God is never caught off guard. And thus he's able to use each and every situation of our world and of our lives for his good purposes. 
The enemy of our souls may think that he has gained the upper hand by throwing at us the unexpected, but before it even happens, God begins to turn the tables and take what the enemy wanted to use for evil, and he begins to use them for our good. Listen, read through the Bible from beginning to end, and you see how time and again God took the unexpected difficulties of life, at least unexpected from man's perspective, and used each one for the good of his people and for the sake of his plan of redemption. Oh, I think of Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. I don't think Joseph went to his brother thinking, well, today's the day they're going to like beat me up and sell me off as a slave. No, Joseph being sold as a slave by his brothers, totally unexpected, and yet what happens, it, it, it ends up that that very event leads him to the point where he becomes second to Pharaoh in the land, ends up saving his own family from starvation. I think of Moses ending up on the backside of a desert. That's not where he planned to live his life, but it's there that he receives his call to become the deliverer of God's people. Oh, I think of the children of Israel finding themselves between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. Listen, they were running you know, out of Egypt. They had, they had all the loot in their hands. They were going. They're free. They're, they're expecting great things to happen. And now suddenly they find Pharaoh's army before them, the Red Sea in front of them, totally unexpected. And yet that moment becomes one of the greatest moments of deliverance in the history of God's people. Think of the people of Judah being taken off into Babylonian exile. Most people were not expecting it. The prophets tried to warn them, but they weren't expecting. And yet that became the very means of God preserving his people so that they didn't fade into non-existence. I think of Peter, James, and John going out onto the Sea of Galilee in that unexpected storm suddenly, suddenly comes up. It catches them off guard. They think that they're going to die, and yet it's through that storm that they experience Jesus' power and authority as never before. As he stands up in that boat and says, peace be still. We can think of Jesus dying on that cross. So unexpected, at least to his disciples and those who have been following him, those who had placed their hope in him. But we know his death culminates in the greatest event in all of history, his resurrection. Listen, all these things and more may have been unexpected to the people involved, but none of them was a surprise to God. Nothing is unexpected to him, and thus he is able to, to step into each and every situation of our lives and of our world. Even before they occur, he begins to work his perfect will. That's why the Apostle Paul could write Romans, in Romans 8.28 that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according according to his purpose. Oh, I'm reminded today, so many things in life might be unexpected to us, but nothing is a surprise to God. And thus he's able to step in and turn everything around for his good purposes. Amen. Amen. Listen, that first Christmas sure took an unexpected turn for the worse. There was no way in the world anyone who was part of that first Christmas could have expected what took place that first Christmas when the Magi showed up. And if we were reading the story for the first time, I think we would all have been greatly surprised. Like, wait, what's happening here? But that's just how life is, isn't it? It's filled with the unexpected. 
And I know that's a hard pill for us to swallow, and yet we know we live with it every day as we constantly face all kinds of unexpected hardships that come into our lives. And especially this year, that reality has hit us in the face with great force. It almost seems like like every time we try to plan something, I know myself as pastor, every time I try to put a date on the calendar, oh, we're going to do this as a church, and we're going to do that, and and so forth, it all just kind of gets blown away by pandemics and rain and snowstorms and who knows what else, right? In fact, maybe right now you're facing all kinds of challenges and difficulties that for you are completely unexpected. You know, I think back to um, Christmas 2010. It was probably the worst Christmas of my life. It's kind of hard for me to share. It was an unexpected Christmas. Kim and I, our family, had left the church we had served for 12 years that August due to some situations and circumstances there. We got to Christmas. I thought, oh, by Christmas, maybe we'll be in a new ministry somewhere. That didn't happen. That was the first Christmas since 1987 that I wasn't leading a candlelight service. First Christmas since 1987, not leading a service. We made plans to go to Kim's brother's house and for, oh, just be good. And, you know, we, we, on Christmas Eve, we don't normally get to travel, right? So, okay, so we could travel. Um, Nathaniel, our son, I guess he was around 16 at the time, came down sick that day. He was running a fever. And so I told Kim to go ahead with Jonathan and Joanna, and I'll stay home Christmas Eve with Nathaniel. So there we were, not at a candlelight service, um, with my sick son at home who was basically in bed for the evening, and so I was by myself most of the time. Christmas doesn't always turn out. The way we think it's going to turn out. Life has has a way of throwing some things at us that we, we would never plan for, we would never think of, we would never imagine. And yeah, that was a really, really hard Christmas. The worst Christmas of my life. But, As I look back today, here we are 10 years later. I can't believe how time goes by. We look back and we see the faithful hand of God at work. Yeah, there was a lot of pain that Christmas. There was a lot of sorrow, a lot of of feelings of loss. And yet we look back and we see the faithful hand of God to take us through those times. Listen, he proved himself to be a God who's always with us. Emmanuel, God who's always with us. There were times when we didn't know how we were going to like, like make it through and so forth, but God always provided. He's a faithful God. And he was able to take maybe what the enemy wanted to use to destroy at least our life. And, and he was able to um, turn them, turn those things around. And I look back, I think of the times I've spent with 
the ministries down in Nicaragua and in Queens and now here with First Assembly of God and all the good things God has done over these past 10 years. It's not necessarily always an easy road, but God has been faithful. And I believe God, he took the things the enemy wanted to use for evil and he's turned them for good. Listen, there's a lot of you out there, here, you've been through some deep waters. And maybe even today you're experiencing some unexpected things. This is not the Christmas you expected it to be. But the good news is that we serve a God who has promised to always take care of us, to minister to us. He's a God who's promised to take us all the way through this life to the eternity and the kingdom that he has in store for us. He's always faithful to his people, even in the midst of the unexpected. So I want to encourage us not to lose heart and to know that, that, that though for you, many of these things may be unexpected. For God, nothing is ever unexpected. And he's able to use even the most difficult and most surprising of situations for his good purposes for your life and for our world. So the best I can do this morning, Lord God, what do you want me to call the people to? What's the challenge and so forth? The best I can call you to is to trust your life into God's hands. Just trust him. Trust him, even in the midst of the unexpected things that take place in your life. Will you bow your heads with me as the worship team comes and just begin to pray right now. Some of you can look back on some very difficult things you've been through in, in life and through some deep waters you've been through and it, you look back and you see how God was with you, how God's hand was with you. Just take a moment to thank Him. Just thank Him this morning. Just worship Him. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. You are Emmanuel. Thank you, God. You've been faithful. When the unexpected storms began to blow into my life, you were there. You spoke, peace be still. You took me through. You encouraged my heart. Or maybe today you're going through some really hard times, some deep waters. I want to encourage you this morning best I can do is encourage you to trust God. Listen, Jesus came. Jesus came as a baby and he lived his life here on this earth and he died on that cross and rose from the grave. Not so that we can escape the hard things of life. Not so that we can be healthy, wealthy, and wise. But he, he did all of that so that you and I might know the hope of eternity, that we might have our sin forgiven that we might be born again, made completely new, that we might have the hope of, 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 of life eternal with God, our Heavenly Father, and Jesus, our Savior, that we might have the hope of a kingdom where there is no more pain or sorrow. And this morning, if you're going through some hard times, reach out to Jesus. If you find yourself in some deep waters, reach out to Jesus. Some of us have done that before. Do it again. Say, Jesus, I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. 
Or maybe today, this will be your first time reaching out to him. Listen, he will hear your cry. He'll take note of the cry of your heart. Just put your faith in Jesus today. Give yourself to him. Allow him to minister to your life. You will receive his wonderful gift of salvation. So, Father, today, we thank you that you are a faithful God, a God for whom nothing is ever unexpected, that you work in all things and through all things for the good of your people and for your plan of redemption. We thank you, God. Many of us thank you that as we look back in our lives and see some of those, those, those difficult places where we've been, we also see that you were there with us. We might not have felt it at the time. We might not have understood it at the time. But as we look back, we see that your hand was there. And God, I pray today for someone, for some who are going through some difficult times. Maybe they received that word from the doctor this week. Maybe, maybe they lost that job. Maybe they find themselves today in pain over a broken relationship, whatever it is. God, I pray that they would sense that you are with them, that you're able to, to minister to them in the deepest part of their soul and their spirit, and that you're the one who will take them through, that you will even turn the tables on the enemy who wants to use all these things to tear us down, to destroy our lives. But Jesus, you came to save us. You came to lift us up. Do it in somebody's life today. Maybe someone who's reaching out to you for the first time, who's praying a prayer of faith today. Oh, Lord Jesus, by your spirit, would you go to them, minister to their heart, their mind, their soul. Let them sense that they're being cleansed from every sin, that their life is being made new, and that today, as a child of God, they receive the hope of salvation. Bless them, I pray. We thank you, God that truly you're a good God. We say, even in the midst of this pandemic and all the other stuff that's going on, we say today in faith, the Lord is good and his mercies, his love endure forever and ever. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.